0: Ultimately with martial arts there is a transformation of empowerment and through empowerment you come into alignment with yourself And when you come into alignment with yourself I mean for me that is the definition of happiness that alignment with yourself with your inner being as well as alignment with source energy And so when you're stepping into your power whether you're performing a kata which is a form or just knowing When I head out in the streets that I'm going to be confident. I'm going to shine. I know how to take care of myself that is real power. That is happiness to me. How do we increase our happiness
1: and connection through martial arts? And as women, are we really victims? And how can we help our young girls to stay safe? Hi, I'm Nicole Sharanam, and today on Connectedly, we are talking to Sensei Sharon Gung. Sensei Shering is an amazing martial artist, oriental health practitioner, spiritual coach, a mother, a writer, a presenter, and my friend. She's a select wellness expert with Wellbeing Magazine and TV. And Sharon has studied with some of the world's most renowned masters in her disciplines. Her experience spans over 3 decades in the martial arts and over 2 decades in the health and well-being field. Her mission is to empower, educate and inspire with the wisdom of traditional oriental martial and healing arts and self-defense. And she's a barrel of fun and joy. So let's see what she has to say. Hi, Sharon, how are you? I am fantastic, thanks, Nicole. How are you? I'm really good. It's so nice to have you on here and... For all of the listeners of Connectedly, Sharon and I are actually friends and uh, our daughters go to kinder together, so I secretly know
0: her, so this is just like us having a phone chat, which is really lovely. <laughs> yes, for the listeners today, you kind of get to get kind of a fly on the wall sort of perspective into what we usually talk about, kind of, kind of, a little bit more exploration into self-defense today and uh, less bitching about our husbands. <laughs> i love that Shh. we don't
1: do that what are you talking Not about at all
0: <laughs> okay so sharon first
1: of all i just want to say thank you so much for joining us because you are a very inspiring woman and you are always busy you're an intentional liver i shouldn't say you're busy you are always doing things that bring you greater happiness, at least that's what I see from the outside. It seems like you're always doing things for the greater good, for the greater good of you know yourself, your peace, your calmness and your health, but also for your family and often what I see is for your daughter. So I can't wait to share your wisdom with everybody here. Sure, I can't wait to share it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us first of all a little bit about what you do. Let's introduce you and what you do.
0: So, my name is Sharon. I'm often known as Sensei Sharon because I am uh, predominantly a martial arts instructor. Uh, so, I'm in the Oriental Martial and Healing Arts. I do practice a number of martial arts. The main martial art I teach is traditional Goju Ryu Karate. And in terms of the healing arts, I also practice Shetsu, just Japanese needle therapy, moxibustion, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, hand in hand with martial arts, I'm also a self defense instructor.
1: Wow, that is that's already huge. And I think for some of us that don't know martial arts, what exactly is it? like what what do you do? Is it karate? is it taekwondo? like what are you, what are you doing? Tell us.
0: Yeah, so martial arts, I mean a lot of people equate martial arts to self-defense. and in fact, when I ask um, my students what the translation of karate is, they often say it's self-defense, which is wrong. It's a misnomer actually. karate itself means empty-hand because you're not using any weapons, you're using your bare hands to defend yourself um self-defense is only one small aspect of martial arts so the way that i like to see it is kind of um self-defense often gives you the bare bones you know, it gives you what you need to be able to defend yourself on the streets, whereas martial arts is much more encompassing. You've got the Zen philosophy, you've got the lifestyle, um, and ultimately, especially through the way that I train, which is known as Buddha, Buddha translates as martial way, it's about personal development. So it's not about the trophies, it's not about the belts, it's not about beating people up in, in cage fights. There's a time and place for all of that, just not what I'm involved in. You know, I'm... It, In Buddha, the Buddha path is much more aligned with, say, the yogic path, where it is all about that that inner work um, that accompanies the physical development. Wow. So then, Sharon, why would I be interviewing you, do you think, when we're talking about happiness? Is there some kind of connection there? Yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, with martial arts, there is a transformation of empowerment. And through empowerment, you come into alignment with yourself. And when you come into alignment with yourself, I mean, for me, that is the definition of happiness, that, that whole, that alignment with yourself, with your inner being, as well as alignment with source energy. And so when you're stepping into the, your power, whether you're performing a kata, which is a form, or for me, in, you know, teaching students, or just kind of knowing when I head out in the streets that I'm going to be confident, I'm going to shine, I know how to take care of myself, that is that is real power. That is happiness to me.
1: So do you see a lot of women kind of coming in and, and what do you call your – is it a studio? What is, I, I know ballet. I don't know
0: <laughs> martial arts. What do you call your room that you work in? <laughs> it's called a dojo. So a dojo is basically a training horse that's used for Japanese martial arts. <laughs>
1: Dojo, here I am calling you a ballet studio. So the women that come into your dojo, are they? Are you seeing a a transformation that happens? Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So whether it's my dojo or whether it's with other women that I train with, um, this transformation is really, I mean, it's it's quite subtle. um, And a lot of women typically will start, I'm just going to acknowledge, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to step into a dojo as an adult student, whether you're male or female takes a lot of courage. You're starting something new. You know, um, martial arts is usually a, embarked upon. When you're like seven or eight or nine or ten, you know, it's not something that a lot of adults do. They have to really step out of their comfort zone to do it. So, for a woman, it might be that, that she's just wanting to um, have her me time, which is often, you know, the, the case, um, wanting to empower herself, wanting to learn the self defense te- techniques, um, wanting to build her confidence. Right down to the other extreme, if she has been in an abusive relationship, for instance, you know, and not wanting to be in that situation again, you know, there are many, many reasons a woman might want to take up a martial art. So self-defense is a little bit different. Like I said, it's just one aspect of martial arts. So self-defense is typically just the physical component with only a little bit of the, the psychology brought in. But the way that I like to teach it is it's both energetic and physical self-defense. So I'm bringing in a lot more of the energetic and the um, psychological components of self-defense. Wow.
1: So, So I really envisage that. There's a lot of internal work happening, not just this external "hoya, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, hoya" kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with martial arts there is definitely an internal component. You know, it's kind of likened to saying yoga is all about stretches, you know, or just about the, the poses or what have you. So you, people see the the external expression of martial arts and see, you know, the, the fast snappy punches or the kicks, etc. cetera. Um, they see the beautiful kata and all the forms. They don't know what the what the practitioner has had to go through in order to get to where they are so for me i've been doing martial arts for almost three decades now and it's like from where i was and of course you know age comes into it as well but from where i was and where I was when I started, and how I felt about myself, to where I am now, it's a completely different person. So definitely, there's a transformation there. Um, and you know, you're saying that you know what, we were, what you felt martial arts was was all about the hayah, and you know that's what um, that's kind of the common stereotype of martial arts. And uh, just I'm just going to take that snippet because there is so much in that for a woman to be able to vocalize, to use a battle cry in Japanese, we call it kiai. That takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of her stepping into her power. To do it properly, it's not just about using your voice box. You actually have to draw on the power deep from within the hara. Hara is the Japanese word for belly. So it's coming deep from within kind of the your deepest resolve, basically, your, your true spirit. And there's a couple of reasons to do it. First of all, if you use a battle cry in the middle of, of conflict or middle of being attacked, you can potentially scare away your attacker. And second of all, If you do it, you might be able to potentially attract onlookers who might be willing to come and help you. And, you know, especially if you're a woman, hopefully, you know, we still have a little bit of chivalry in this society. I'm not quite sure about that. Um, But, yes, you know, that's typically the case. You want to attract people to come and help you. Now, with a typical self-defence instructor who looks like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they're big military men, um, they they don't know what it's like to be a small female to be timid, to not be able to step into a power because of perhaps programming or patterning or past experiences where she was told, hey, good girls don't actually speak up. Go and get your back against that wall and look pretty. We'll ask for your opinion when it's needed. Now, when you've you're, you've got that kind of deep-seated psychology that has been ingrained in you since you were a little girl and then all of a sudden... You know, some big guys telling you, hey, just get in there and do it, just go and scream, the two don't merge. There, there has to be those, those intermediate points. It takes a lot for a woman to actually stand there um, and, and do a battle cry, let alone in the heat of conflict when she's scared, when her adrenals was actually kicked in. So you know, that in itself is, is um, symbolic of the transformation that it, it can occur through martial arts and self-defence.
1: It's amazing. I I actually got goosebumps when you started talking about what it takes for a woman to be able to to vocalize. And and whilst I can sit here now and make the the noise in jest, you're totally right. When even when you're in a dojo and and you're trying, as you said, it takes courage to walk into that room. It takes Further courage, I remember situations um, when you're the first person, it's the first time you've tried a class, whether it's yoga or whether it's meditation and you've got to make OM noises and everyone's, you know, looking at you. That takes courage. So you're totally right, let alone when you're actually in a situation where you really need to use noise to protect yourself and and defend yourself. So I got absolute goosebumps. You're totally right.
0: And so many women won't get themselves to that point, you know, because... um, Again, because of of what we've kind of been um, conditioned to, to be. And ultimately, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We don't want to cause trouble. You know, what if this guy who we think is hassling us isn't actually doing anything wrong? Is there a chance of that? You know, and what if people are going to take his side, even though I'm feeling really uncomfortable in his presence and he keeps pushing me and pushing me, I don't feel comfortable going home with him. You know, it's all that kind of stuff where it's very, very layered. Um, Yeah, and that's where it's like, okay, um, things like boundaries come into place, things like, yes, finding your voice, using your voice. Um, It's all these other aspects, the psychological aspects um, that are are built into the way that I teach self-defence. And it's not only psychology of a woman, it's the psychology of the attacker as well. What is he looking for when he is eyeing off his potential prey? Mm. Wow.
1: Well, let's let's focus on you specifically because I know it's difficult to sometimes talk about everyone else's transformation. Let's specifically talk about your connection to yourself
0: and happiness.
1: How did that change for you going through this martial arts process and the oriental arts?
0: Yeah, okay. So, wow, that's, uh, that's quite a huge question. I'll start first by, I guess, kind of sharing my experience and how I changed through, through the journey of martial arts like I kind of hinted at before, you know, I was a completely different person when I stepped into the dojo. And the story behind why I stepped into the dojo, it's a little bit different to why most students do. So uh, inevitably nowadays, when I take in new students, I'll ask, what, what are your reasons for wanting to learn karate with me? And it will be usually self-confidence, um, self-defense, etc. For me, I was at that point of time, I had just turned 13, I was at that point of time where I felt so bad about myself, I felt so bad about who I was and I felt like such a failure at everything I did and I went and then dad had taken months to get me to the dojo, by the way, so my siblings were already learning and he was, he was kind of encouraging me and encouraged me and I just finally went, okay, I'll do it because I'm just going to prove it's just going to be one more thing that I'm really, really terrible at. And of course, that didn't happen that way. You know, I was actually, um, actually quite had quite a bit of potential there, um, which I'm really glad. I had um, my teacher at the time was really great at drawing out my confidence. So, um, so it was that complete lack of self esteem. Um, so it was even it was not even just lack of confidence. It was lack of self esteem. Like I actually hated myself. You know, um, so. Going through all that and then reaching, eventually reaching uh, young adulthood where I was blossoming into a young woman and it was just so ironic that I was able to find um, and connect with my feminine divine through being in the dojo and it was really through contrast. It was really interesting. It was like, okay, I actually can't train like a man anymore. Um, There's going to be a point in time in my life where I can't do hundreds and hundreds of push-ups and sit-ups. I actually have to start um, peeling back a bit. I still love my martial arts, but what else is out there? What else is out there that will support me in my journey and support me in exploring Ju, which is soft in Japanese, Um, and the style that I do is Go Ju. Uh, but the way that I had, had been training there was mostly go, which is hard, uh, and I really wanted to embrace that softness um, and to keep and to keep learning because I'm, I'm always going to be a lifelong student of it. Uh, and so that's that was where my journey in the uh, internal arts started: the Chinese internal martial arts, so tai chi, qigong, bagua, etc. Um, so yeah, so it was really through all of that that I kind of went, okay, I am who I am. I'm not going to be able to, you know, do you know, fight off, you know, hundreds of men at the same time in, in, in sparring, etc. cetera. Um, but this is what I can do and I can own it and really celebrate it. I'm a woman and I should step into that space, really own this body and not trying to be a woman who wants to be a man or who aspires to be a man. I am just a woman and there is power in that. And it's time for me to own it. Mm,
1: so I love that.
0: So that was my, my own, own kind of transformation. And what was the second part of your question?
1: Oh, I don't even remember now, but I I will ask you something else because what what I loved that you just mentioned was about the balance of that feminine and masculine, because often I know in my own life I've done, uh, even with yoga, I was doing Ashtanga yoga for a while. And I started seeing it almost like to start with, it was beautiful and it was calm and it was, I was peaceful. I was with my breath. And then suddenly it started becoming almost like a competitive thing. And I started trying to really embrace almost like mm. the push up of the downward dog and the, you know mm. uh, I was really getting into it and I started becoming this masculine tip you know that I completely lost the balance so I think what you've said is so amazingly powerful about stepping into our feminine even in that because we can lose that so easily
0: can't we mm-hmm Mm-hmm, absolutely, I think it's especially since becoming a mother as well. I mean, that's a whole different ball game, and suddenly the feminine divine changes. You know, we we go through another rite of passage when we're we're mothers. And what does that look like for an advanced female martial artist? So many of us drop off. We really do. And There's just no time and space to handle the whole work life kids, the whole crazy crazy balance um, and yeah that was the, the one thing that was determined to keep on throughout even early motherhood and pregnancy like I'm, I'm pregnant with my second child now and I'm still training <laughs> and it's not like I'm doing sparring or anything like that but there are definitely um, different aspects of the martial arts you know having been in here for so long that I can embrace and, and go okay this is what this is what's actually suiting me at this time it's time to honor me honor myself I can get back to really physical work later on but this is not the right time that's hard isn't it as A woman who's, you know,
1: got the pleasure of having children, and, you know, you've already have one, so you know the journey and you know what's involved and you know what your body is going to require and the amount of energy. Um, It is difficult still to feel like you can't do what you used to do yeah. you can't and, and how do you overcome that in in have you got any tips or skills in how you overcome that for other mothers who might be trying to progress in what they're doing
0: yeah sure so um away from pregnancy pregnancy is a different ball game <laughs> um I do have you know I'm definitely in that mindset where even on a day-to-day basis I'm going okay it's it's evening time now. I am completely swollen. I, f- I feel like this massive sausage, Michelin man thing. I can't pick up things off the ground anymore. So you feel quite, well, quite disempowered, you know. <laughs> um, but away from all of that, you know, and, and yes, I, I acknowledge that's a beautiful thing. You know, men can't do what we can do in terms of creating children. But in terms of being a mother in, in general, I think it, for me, through my experience, it really comes down to two things. It is simplifying. That was really important for me. Um, just going, Okay. There's only so much I can do in a day. What needs to be done? Let's prioritise here. And why, where can I actually engage help? And um, it took us a long, long time, but we kind of eventually just decided um, well, part of it was not our decision. We also had COVID lockdowns, which prevented this. Um, but we we ultimately um, found a wonderful cleaner because I would spend weekends cleaning and on a on beautiful day, such as, as it is today in beautiful Surf Coast, I would much rather be out there with my family on paddle boards or, you know, relaxing on the beach and cleaning shower rooms and toilets, you know. It's like, why am I doing this when I'm not enjoying it? So um, so if you are in a position to, that's something that I would really encourage. Where can you actually enlist other people to help you so your life can become simplified and you can actually enjoy most of your life? Um And the other part of it is self-compassion. Self-compassion is huge for mothers. We are so hard on ourselves. Uh, And if you kind of look at the roles we have to play now, it is so, so different from the generation before and the generation before. We are expected to be working mothers now. And if we are not, for instance, there are some mums who are so stable and happy. I won't say just because there's no just, but being a staying-at-home mum and looking after their children, and yet, so often they feel like they have to justify it because society expects more. Or, on the flip side, if you are a woman who've chosen not to have children, sometimes you feel like you have to justify that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we. Oh. Really, who gives a damn what society thinks <laughs> So that's yeah. kind of, you know, the bottom line. Um, but, yeah, it's just that self-compassion. We, we kind of anticipate other people are going to judge us um, for whatever decisions we make. We are ultimately responsible for our own decisions and our own happiness. And it's like, okay, I'm a stay-at-home. I'm a stay-at-home mum and I don't intend to go back to the workforce for a number of years, but I'm really happy where I am. And there's such security and saying something like that you know um, yeah so yeah just having that self-compassion being easy on yourself yeah. not caring what other people think
1: mm-hmm. and really yeah owning owning what you're doing fully mm. I love that that's really strong and just for the record you do not look like a sausage you look beautiful
0: oh <laughs> you're too kind
1: <laughs> oh but I know that feeling all too well I'm sure all <laughs> of us us so what are you most passionate about right now? Is there something in particular that really kind of is your latest kind of like this is my thing and this is what I want to share with the world?
0: Yeah, right now I am creating my beautiful program which is called Soul Warrior. So it will be a combination of online as well as private coaching and it's it's basically the culmination of my experience in so many different areas. So you've got the physical self defense, you've got the psychological aspects as well as the energetic protection. So through Soul Ro- Warrior I really want to take the woman through that journey of transformation, transformation of, of empowerment, and relay what I've witnessed and what I've experienced in the martial arts into a self-defense course because I know it's totally doable. The two, are, the two are so closely related. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm super excited to to bring this out to the world.
1: Mm, that sounds amazing. So we'll make sure that uh, in the show notes we put a link to that program. Is that is that live now or is
0: it? It's coming not live soon? yet. Well, yeah, it's coming soon. Okay. I'm, I'm Creating it. Um, but yeah, okay. the best way to uh, find out more about it is to jump straight onto my mailing list and you'll be the first to know. Um, yeah, okay. so I'm sure in the, the show notes you'll have my website there. So you can jump. I will. And um, uh, yeah, I'll be so, so um welcoming of you um, to yeah, just to connect with me and answer any questions you might have.
1: Oh, that sounds beautiful. So, Sharon, from your understanding of what you teach in, in all its holistic glory, because you do a lot of things. How does it all kind of help women to embrace that connection to themselves and their own happiness? Oh. Big questions, hey?
0: It's a big question. I think overall in, in everything that I do under the umbrella of the Oriental Arts uh Fundamentally, it comes down to Taoism. Um, Taoism provides the framework. So whether you're looking at the yin-yang theory or five elements, et cetera, it informs and influences the martial arts as well as the healing arts, as well as things like feng shui, as well as things like astrology, et cetera. Um, and in Taoism, there is a really important concept known as wu-wei, and that translates as effortless effort. So with effortless effort, um, you know, the ancients totally had this right. It's about living in harmony with nature. It's going with the flow of life. Yes, there is action, but it's action that is enjoyable. We are not striving. And in this way, we can really just be present and enjoy our lives. So I'm a big fan of Abraham Hicks as well, and they, they use the term path of least resistance. It's the same thing. So before Abraham Hicks, you know, before um, before kind of New Age spirituality, so to speak, there was this term, Wu Wei. And um, I guess when you're, you're following that, and even, and even in the martial arts, especially in the, in the uh, Chinese internal martial arts, whether it's so soft and there's so much flow, you really get to embody that and feel that. Where you're going with the flow and you're not working with force, not working with resistance, it just feels so easy. And really that sense of ease is something that can be um, relayed to the entirety of your life if you follow this principle of Wu Wei, it's like so many of us are striving and fighting, you know. I think it's kind of in the Australian psyche, really, you know. Um, we want to be the great Aussie battler and, you know, um, it's kind of like, oh, I worked hard and long in order to to earn this house or earn this and earn that. And that whole that whole feeling of wanting to strive and earn things so it looks like you deserve it more, Um, that's really quite warped. It's kind of like, okay, so what happens if I didn't... Not that I don't work hard, but I work smart. I do things that I enjoy. Am I less deserving of these things? No, I'm not. I deserve a beautiful house. I deserve to live in nature. I deserve to have a beautiful family. Um, so really, hopefully that answers your question. Through, through living with with Wu Wei in alignment um, with source, in harmony with nature, in harmony with the flow of life. Um, that really, you I mean you just exude happiness. There's a lot of place for happiness, and you're much less likely to have to come with, to present with with illnesses and disease, disease then, because there is ease. There will not be, or, or there will be less chance of disease. So, from a health aspect, at the very least, you know it's something that really supports our life.
1: Mm, so, so when you when we talk about kind of connection to self and body, mind, spirit, and all of the connection holistically. Are there things that you do specifically, like rituals? Is there anything you do that helps you build greater connection?
0: Yeah, uh, just just little practices. I think from um, uh, from early motherhood, when I was trying to, I actually did suffer from uh, bad postnatal depression. Um, and when I was trying to get uh, myself back on my feet, um, apart from getting trying to really get on top of my sleep, which was a big part of it, uh, I formulated my, my five, what I call my five base practices. So base practices are kind of like non-negotiables, except they're negotiable because you're in early motherhood and everything has to be negotiable. You have to be flexible with it. Uh, so even today, you know, it's just the regular practice of things like meditation and journaling. For me, some sort of movements, so whether it's my martial arts or doing a workout, um, very often both. If I'm not pregnant, I'll, I'll do both. Um, and, and creative expression as well, which is quite important to me. So, um, yeah, I think having those, those five-based practices for every woman, especially in early motherhood, will kind of... Um encourage her to be in touch with who she was pre-motherhood. There's that whole, I mean, it's, it's widely talked about how we lose that sense of self, you know, we lose our identity to some extent when, it, we, when we step through that ring of fire and become a mother, we take that rite of passage and so many women feel lost and I, I suddenly kind of got to that stage as well where I was just with my baby and I'm just, oh, it's just like the umpteenth Disney song that I was singing to her and I felt like a singing cow that was all I was, just a singing cow. And I just went, what is this life? You know, this is not what I had expected. This is not what I wanted. And so I had to slowly regain who I was and that was my way of doing it, just going, okay, a little bit at a time, you know, just um, even if it's just 15 minutes and eventually it became half an hour and then eventually it's like, oh, okay, I'm sharing again. I feel like sharing again.
1: And how I, I love your honesty, by the way. I think that's beautiful. I think that a lot of us
0: um feel like singing cows. <laughs> <laughs> it and... is so brutal, but it's it is really what you feel like in that stage. And I'm back into singing cow mode in March, by the way. So <laughs> just the simplicity of of
1: doing the five things, I guess, that you, that work for you. And I love that it's that it's not negotiable, but negotiable. There we go, yeah. got it out. <laughs> Um, which is so important, I think, that we have um we have boundaries for ourselves that are a little bit more flexible as mothers and we're um, especially when we're pregnant, but um once the baby's born as well, I think is very important. Have you got any tricks as a pregnant mother, uh, of of how to really connect with self or find happiness? Have you got any tricks that you're doing right now that help you?
0: Oh, okay. So one thing that um One tip that I can give, and it's something that I try to practice as often as possible, so this is something that is just as important in self-defence and martial arts as it is in just mindfulness and happiness, and it's really when you're outside to be mindful when you're walking and to really observe what's going around you, to be present, you know, especially as busy mums, our minds are just going, we're just in overdrive with everything that we're thinking about, we're planning Three hours ahead, what's, you know, what we're we going to have for dinner, or oh, how are we going to get you know, a, a little girl to ballet and then to karate or, or what have you? Um, yeah, there's just so much planning that goes on that very rarely do we get that time to just be still and just to be where you are. Now, from a self defense and martial arts perspective, um, I always say that awareness is pretty much the first step. It's pretty much the first step, along with intuition, but it's it's a different topic. It's pretty much the first step because if you are aware of your surroundings, there's a lot that you can prevent. You can just, you can escape potential conflict simply from awareness, and that's really the best case scenario, you know. So from a self-defence or martial arts perspective, um, the greatest enemy that we have to awareness is distraction. And what is the number one distraction in this day and age? It is tech. Absolutely. Oh, tech. I was going to say my mind. Ah, I thought you were pointing to your headphones, (laughs) which is also correct. (laughs) So, yes, you can be uh, simply distracted from your thoughts, uh, by your thoughts, I should say. But so many of us are distracted because of what we're hearing, you know, with our our headphones. Um, And I'm like, what's wrong with just listening to nature? You know, if you put headphones on, ultimately you can't hear if someone's coming up behind you to grab you you know, from a real practical perspective. If you don't have your headphones on, that's not going to stop someone from trying to attack you from behind, but you've got that little bit, you've got a few seconds lead up, you know, going, okay, something's happening here, I can hear footsteps behind me. Um, so, and that, every second counts in a self-defence situation. Now, headphones are one thing where you're just or say we're kind of voluntarily blocking off a safety mechanism that Mother Nature gave us. Like for me, it's just stupidity. We don't go jogging blind and yet we go jogging with headphones on. The other part of it is phones. I mean, it's rampant in in society where people are just walking around with their heads stuck in their phones. So not only are they being distracted with their sight, they're focused on what's happening on their phones, they're distracted uh, through audio as well very often. Um, and their whole focus is channeled into this device. Now, if their focus is in their device, how aware of them, uh, How aware are they of the world around them? Zero, zilch, mm. nothing, nothing. It is so easy. Like if I was an attacker, again talking about the psychology of an attacker, uh, and a woman was like that, I'll be like, oh my god, this is just like shooting fish in a barrel. It's so so easy, uh, and it's not only preventing yourself from being potentially attacked by an assailant. Um, so many reports of um, and unreported, unfortunately, of people being hit by trains, hit by cars, simply because of technology. So, just that that little tip alone. Just be aware, ditch the devices when you go out, and just be aware and enjoy what's around you. Be present with your thoughts. That's going to do a lot for your sense of awareness, yes, but your sense of mindfulness and presence, um, and also your safety. So true, and.
1: Uh, you know, I think we're all guilty of those moments where we're, but I'm busy and I've got things to do and I'm a mother and I'm multitasking and, you know, I've I just got out quickly, I've got two seconds to respond to a text or check my Instagram or, you know, so you're <laughs> walking along the street and yeah. it's exactly, it's so easy to fall into that. Yeah. But I, I understand that importance. Um, <clears throat> do you have any tricks around that? Like how do you then... Get what you need to do. I mean, knowing that our devices are where a lot of our work gets done these days, how yeah. do you manage
0: that? Yeah, there's definitely time and place for them. There's a reason we have our devices because they are convenient. You have to be in a safe place. So, for example, just the phone, because that's that's um that's a really common one. Uh, I would do it from the safety of my car, quickly pump out my text message, or you know, um, or leave a voice note, etc. Uh, if you are out and about, so for example, if you um. If you're waiting for your hubby to come and pick you up, it's night time, he needs to pick you up from a bus stop, then get your back against a wall. So or oh, something, something against like against a tree or against the bus stop, against the wall, et cetera. It's just so you can't be attacked from behind. Quickly send that text message or make that phone call and observe. Look at everything around you, send it and then put that phone away. Do not fall into the trap of going onto social media in that circumstance because it's far too easy to be a victim. Um, or to, yeah, or to attract unnecessary things, you know. So, so uh, yeah, that's definitely um, my, my best tip for it, um, just to make sure that you're in a safe position to quickly send, to quickly communicate and then to put your device away and keep being aware, keep observing things around you while you're waiting for that ride or what have you.
1: Mm, it's funny because as you're talking, something that comes up for me is, I want to feel like there's this part of me that isn't a victim, you know? I want to feel like, yes, I'm a woman, but why does that automatically make me a victim? You know, it makes mm. me get kind of triggered because I'm like, but I want to go outside and I want to be able to do just what men do. I want to be able to be in that world. So there's a part of me that just wants to not ignore it, but but argue that. But, but then I know the truth within me as well. I know that unfortunately if i am out at night on my own which i just don't really do i mean mm. you know it doesn't happen because probably i'm aware of the truth i mean how do you what do you feel about that
0: that's really interesting i feel that because women are more often targeted it doesn't necessarily make us victims being a victim starts first and foremost in your mind and it really starts from stages before conflict ever occurs it starts with how you vibrate. It starts with how you feel about yourself. It starts with things like establishing your boundaries. So if you don't act like a victim, no one else is gonna treat you like a victim either. Um, so yes, we do have that reality of, we can very well be attacked, especially you know if you're, if you're a small woman um, like myself, uh, but it's also by controlling your, your vibration, you also control your experience and your reality. You know, I'm going to vibrate confidence when I step out there. I'm going to be like a frill neck lizard sticking out my frills. It's like, don't you come? If you come near me, you will be sorry. I am a loud, strong woman. Doesn't matter how small I am. I'm a loud, strong woman. (laughs) And you are going to get caught. Doesn't matter what you try to do to me. And you will probably have your limbs broken as well. So when you project that sort of energy, that sort of vibe, it's like they don't want to mess with you because. Uh, attackers ultimately uh, bullies. They're just bigger versions of bullies. And as we know about bullies, they are cowards. They will go for things that it's easy prey. It's easy prey that they're after. So what I like to say with self defence, or the way that I teach self defence, is self defence is self care levelled up. Because if you think of the word self care, there is nothing that speaks more to caring about yourself than being, than actually caring about yourself, looking after yourself. In a situation that demands the most when you're out in the street being attacked and it's like oh my god i've got these skills i've got this know-how i can actually look after myself i don't need someone else i definitely don't need a man to come and save me your whole psychology changes the whole way you feel about yourself what you project completely changes so even just having that having that knowledge that awareness of yourself it's it's like It's like nothing else, you know. It's like, okay, um, uh, the way that I kind of like to put it is, you know, if you've got that, if you've got car insurance, for instance, chances are you'll never get into a bungle in that particular year that you've got car insurance, but you've just got it. You've got it there and you've got it there to help you. It's going to make you feel a lot safer when you go and and drive out in the streets just in case anything happens. And in that way, self-defence can act as an insurance policy, but so much more than that because you are worth so much more than your car.
1: Yeah, so true. And uh, I feel the power in what you're saying about the vibration where you're at and and not going out there feeling and telling yourself that you're the victim, but rather empowering yourself with the knowledge and the wisdom and also raising your vibration enough to a place where you are radiating from a strength place. I think that sounds Mm. so strong. So what about for our kids? So obviously both of us have daughters. Um, you know, what would you say to them? What what can we do now as mothers to help our younger girls and boys, but I'm mostly focusing on on women here. So what can we do for them?
0: This is such a great question. And one that I love, I love this question. Um, The best thing we can do is to encourage our girls to step into their power, period. Now, both of us have confident young girls. So we're very blessed that way. From my experience, it's a lot easier if need be, to get them to hone in on their confidence and all of their vivacity, you know, to to get them to tone it down a little bit then to draw that confidence out of a young girl. It's a lot easier to to work from where where we are. So, um, you know, just... Uh, just a couple of months ago, I was so super proud of my daughter because she um, she was basically, uh, uh, there was another boy, a friend at school and he's bigger than her and he was being picked on by a couple of other kids from the other class and she was guarding him and she just standing in front of him, guarding him and just saying, stop. You're hurting him. And she kept on doing that until the teachers came and intervened. And I went, yes, that's exactly the kind of skills that I need you to demonstrate right now. You didn't use your fists. You didn't bite. You didn't hit. Used your words and use your assertiveness. So that's absolutely the best things that we, could, the best thing that we can do for our young girls at this stage. Um, so just so so listeners know the age of our children. Um, yes, yeah, so Nicole's daughter is five years old. My one's turning five. Um, so we're looking at kindergarten coming into prep. Uh, so yeah, that in itself will just establish the roots to strong, independent women who know who they are. No know how to stand in the world to protect their confidence um, and to attract good things in their lives as well.
1: And can they at that age, like what <clears throat> age can a kid start coming to learn martial arts?
0: It depends on the uh, type of martial art. It depends on um on the culture of the dojo or the dojang, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I do take students at the age, so around the four or five age, even a little bit younger. It starts with as basic, really basic skill building and just learning learning things like how to use your voice and things like roles, et cetera. They actually don't have a lot of coordination at that stage, so I, I try to develop that. And then it's really kind of when they step into real primary school mode. Um, so kind of around the seven or eight years old, that they kind of can take it a little bit more seriously then.
1: It mm, sounds like it would be a really fun class.
0: Oh, yeah. I like to think so. <laughs> You're going to have to ask my students that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They do, they do tend to have a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> so we're going to have a quick fire round. So just five quick questions. What's your favourite book? It can be either just now or of all time.
0: Um, my favourite book is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron because it, took, um, it um, encouraged me to take myself seriously as a creative. Mm beautiful what are you trying to unlearn oh this is an interesting one what am i trying to unlearn um uh, right now as i stand i'm trying to unlearn the frustrations that come with having a pregnant body (laughs) and and just really be in the mindset of celebrating the the miracle that's happening um yeah and just let go of all the oh my gosh i can't do this oh my gosh i can't do this sort of feeling
1: What's the best advice about happiness that you've ever been given?
0: Mm, Happiness is a choice.
1: I want that on a (laughs) T-shirt. So good. (laughs) If you could wave a fairy wand, which I know our girls do all the time, what would you change about the world?
0: My initial answer was to go really cliche and just order world peace. Uh, (laughs) But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that, and that is for people to come into alignment with their truth, with their inner being, come into alignment with source energy so they can make better decisions for themselves and for other people. And it just ripples out into the community, into their country. Mm, I love that. Thank
1: you. That's so sweet. Tell us one practical tool that we can put into practice today that can increase our happiness.
0: One practical tool? Yep. It was just what I said before about... um, mindful walking, really observing and taking in everything around you, really engaging your senses and um, being grateful as well of, of the beautiful world that we live in.
1: That's so nice. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. And I think especially everyone will agree with me that you have this humor and joy that is just a pleasure to kind of witness and share in. And also the visuals that you use are remarkable. It just helps us to share in your joy. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been an absolute pleasure. Talk soon. Wasn't sharing fun. Oh gosh, she's so joyous. Thanks for being here today. Here's the takeaways. Martial arts is focused on the internal as well as the external. There's a lot That's included in the class, not just the discipline, but also how to learn, how to be aware and remain in a space that brings confidence uh, so that when you step outside, you exude that balance, feminine and masculine in your workouts, work and life to increase your connection to self and your happiness. You don't always have to win. You don't always have to compete with the men. You can choose to stay in a place that is balanced, where you have both the yin and the yang and the feminine and the masculine working for you. Stay safe with your awareness. Put your phone down, headphones off, be aware of your space. Listen to the noises around you. Stay aware and stay present. Victimhood comes from your mindset. Learn to reside in a place of power instead of in victimhood. You can choose that vibration. You can choose to find ways that you feel confident in stepping out of your house and learn the skills to be able to defend as well as to remain calm internally as well as protect yourself externally. Keep our kids safe. Help them to understand their own power. And they can enroll in karate from a young age, especially with Sensei Sharon. The links are below. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This has just been another amazing episode. And this journey has been so rewarding. So please drop me a note. I want to hear from you. What do you want to hear about next week? Tell me about your journey. Tell me about what you want to hear. Let's talk and let's get this conversation really flowing. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you again for joining us. You are loved and you are worthy Toxin.